0: Hi everyone, I'm Josh.
1: And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language.
0: Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required.
1: On today's episode, we're going to talk about our first trip to Gen Con, what things were great and maybe not so great.
0: Also, we're going to look at the games we saw, the ones we purchased, and the ones we left behind for others.
1: Before that, we'll talk about some of the local news, Simons' return to conventions, and the great Magic the Gathering heist.
0: Wrapping it all up with our crowdfunding roundup on this episode of The Dapper Meeple.
1: All right, so for all of you that were worried, uh, you know, rest easy. We did make it back from Gen Con. It was what I expected; like it was a haul.
0: Yeah, yeah, twelve hour drive. Um, it's pretty pretty much what you would expect for a twelve hour drive. Uh, I did see some sights along the way, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good though. Had a good time. Then it was four full days of gaming.
1: Up until this point, we've only gone to uh, packs. And it's a three-day con. The difference in feel between three and four days at a con uh, is more significant than what I thought it would have been.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got to Sunday and we were like, wait a second, we got a whole another day? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I Yeah. I, yeah. Like Sunday morning we were there and it was like, oh, I guess this is the last day for us to wander around. But I definitely didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel like I had missed anything. I didn't feel like there was anything that I needed to go do. Um, yeah. like I feel like I got a good Gen Con experience for the first time around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we jump into that, though, there's a couple of things we wanted to bring up and talk about. A couple happenings that are going around, uh, new announcements that have come out in the world of gaming, and some stuff here locally.
1: So yeah, let's start off with our first Gen Con. Uh, the first bit of news that I saw that was really uh, something significant was Gen Con opened up with somebody stealing $300,000 worth of Magic the Gathering. The hall is massive. And in the days before the con, of course, everybody is setting up, and you've got these these like larger production companies and stuff that are setting their stuff up. Well, they're shipping their stuff in on pallets. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is the big deal. And somebody wandered in with a pallet jack, picked up a pallet of Magic cards, and just walked out the door like it was cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ballsy. Yeah. They uh for for a while they weren't sure who they were. Uh fortunately they have a lead on the people who uh committed the crime allegedly.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, and if it if it turns out to be who they're claiming it is, because right now, innocent until proven guilty, although there's a lot of cameras with you guys on it. They looked at the video, and then they've shared the video, like, hey, does anybody know these people? Uh, and it looks like right now the two people that they were looking at were from another gaming company. They were board game designers. Yeah. I'm trying to find Which me.
0: explains why they were able to get access to the hall before, you know, or during setup and things like that. But still, that's... Uh it's wild. Like, I would not have expected that to be something that would have happened, but here we are.
1: So let me give you a little bit of advice. If you ever do decide to do crime, um, do not do crime while wearing the T-shirt of the company for the board game you helped design.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's Step one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are other steps, too, that I would include in that, but, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, like,
0: also, don't wear name tags. Like, yeah, like that, That's also kind of one of those things you should probably not do.
1: At least not your name tag.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or pick somebody else's name tag.
1: You know. Makes me feel like, uh, A, uh, these guys are not going to be developing a heist game anytime soon that's going to be worth a shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, being clear, there suspects who are apparently now that case is being referred to the prosecutor's office to see if they're actually going to prosecute, were two people that had access to the hall because they were exhibitors that grabbed their pallet jack, took a pallet of cards somewhere. I don't think that part's really been uh, brought out yet. They don't know what they did with them, but they were wearing the T-shirt for their booth. Yeah. And so they've been identified. It was pretty easy. Um, and we're going to, I mean, if you want to go look it up, look it up. I don't legally want to get us in any hot water or anything, just in case they do turn out to be innocent. But again...
0: There's a lot of cameras that make it look like it's not very innocent. <laughs> it doesn't look good. Right? Yeah, it does look good.
1: But, yeah. but that was how uh, that was <laughs> how not, our Gen Con opened.
0: <laughs> we're not lawyers, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> the it's just I don't know. For the most part, I feel like this community is, you know, full of people who are trying to do the right stuff. Right. Um, I just don't know what possesses you to go, man, that's magic. I like magic. You know what I need? A palette of magic.
0: As somebody who was previously involved with that addiction, I don't know. I could see it. Like, <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was exciting happening up there. We, we'll get into more Gen Con later on in the episode, uh, but we got a little bit of local news coming in. Uh, so we have a board game cafe here in Hampton Roads area. It's actually in Virginia Beach. Uh, it was known as Roll With It. Uh, It has recently been bought out by the board game cafe conglomerate. That's what I'm going to call them from now on. uh, Known as Snakes and Lattes, uh, which is a company that owns, I think they're up to seven or eight different cafes now um, across the U.S. and Canada, where they um, it's standard board game cafe. They have food. They have a nice gaming library. You can come in for a minimal fee. You can try out games out of the gaming library grab some dinner, hang out with friends, that sort of thing.
1: Right. It, they're based out of Toronto, I think was their first one and they've kind of been spreading. Uh I so I hope that this was one of those things where the guys that roll with it, got a good deal out of it and he's like, yeah. "You know what? This is going to, you know, help me fund another project or something or they're now a franchise and he's still running it or something yeah. like that." Yeah. Like hoping all the best for him because it was a good cafe, I, like it was a good time. We've been there a couple times uh for D&D night, uh, for trivia night which Again, I feel like there was one section that was not d and got that threw us for a little bit of a loop. It's fine. Uh, we, came in a, we came in a close second there. But uh, this Snakes and Latte seems to kind of have their stuff together real well. Like everything yeah. I'm seeing on the website, the uh, menu looks really good. Uh, the drinks look really good.
0: Yeah, it seems like they have a really uh, nice business model. Uh, that has been successful in other areas. Mm So I look forward to checking it out once they get everything kind of worked in. Right.
1: Um, And it feels like it's the same kind of thing, right? Like you go in there, you can order off the menu and stuff. It's $6 to play any game, and they have like hundreds of games. Oh, over 600 board games is what they're claiming in the library there. So this is a great place to kind of go hang out and be try out some new games. I'm sure the staff that's there, like just like roll with it, knows how to play them all so they can come, you know, give you the walkthrough if you need it. So... But it's in the same place, so it's over by Lynnhaven Mall for those around Hampton Roads. uh, Or if you're visiting in the Hampton Roads area, uh, maybe go check that out for uh, a good evening.
0: Yeah. Um, The other thing we want to bring up real quick is the CMON Expo is coming back. Um, So those of you who have been involved in the hobby for a while may know uh, CMON used to do their own convention every year in Atlanta before COVID. Uh, when COVID hit, they actually dropped out of that. They, they dropped out of all conventions as far as having a presence. Uh, but this year, they are coming back with their own convention. It's going to be in the Minneapolis area. Uh, this convention was always really cool from everything that I read because you always got a lot of cool promos and things like that just for coming to the convention. So if we do have any listeners in the Minneapolis area, uh, the CMON Expo this year is going to be September 15th through the 17th. Um, it looks like a good time. They're going to have a lot of demos and stuff from newer games of theirs coming out. Um, they're going to have what looks to be like a zombicide kind of dungeon crawl type thing, uh, which looks pretty interesting. I hope they decide to bring that to PAX because that'll be fun to take a look at. Um, they have a couple special guests, things like that. So all in all a good time. Glad to see them actually getting back into the convention game. Uh, hopefully maybe next year they can do a larger one maybe closer here to home.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Atlanta would have been driving distance for us. Minneapolis feels like it's just right outside (laughs) of what we're capable of. So, um, I mean, maybe they bring it back. I mean, I know that we'll be at PAX, so I would like to see the dungeon crawl up there. We'll talk a little bit about the 40K dungeon crawl that we did at uh, Gen Con here in just a second. Uh, But that was a good time.
0: Yeah, I know, uh, so Simon had a small presence this year at Gen Con through the Spin Master booth. Right. Because that's where they partnered with them on the Marvel United. But they were doing like a zombicide promos uh, also out of there. And they did have some zombicide events as well, but they didn't have like a big, like their own booth like they did the first packs that we went to.
1: This is our Gen Con wrap up, so let's talk about what we did. All right, so let's talk our first Gen Con.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but let's start with what what went right and what maybe did not go so
1: right. <laughs> right. So we did a pre-Gen Con episode where we were talking a little bit about it, looking at some articles, things that you should know, uh, kind of what to expect, and uh, a couple of things that we thought were going to be important.
0: And there were obviously people who did not listen to that episode who went to Gen Con.
1: Oh, oh we'll <laughs> talk about some of those people. <laughs> Um, I think we kinda I think we kinda knew what we were getting into though. It didn't feel like anything was a big surprise.
0: I don't know. I feel like the scope of it was a surprise for me. Um obviously looking at the map of the exhibitor hall, I was like, Holy crap, that's huge. But the exhibitor hall I would say was probably a quarter.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: of all the space that Gen Con proper took up.
1: That's yeah, that's fair. Uh, Because it was all of the hall that's in the convention center. Right. And then they pretty much rented out all of the rooms outside of the main hall for, like, major distributors and stuff.
0: There were other halls for just gaming. Right. Um, There was a whole underground passage to Lucas Oil Stadium that had, like, vendors in it.
1: Right. For all of you geeks, though, that's where the Colts play. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's a football stadium. (laughs) Football's a sport that was developed I'm Just Kidding. Kidding. (laughs)
0: and we're talking American football in case we get any yeah. of those people
1: <laughs> for that for those two listeners over in the UK. Uh, yeah, there was the there was an underground tunnel that was full of different vendors and stuff as well from the convention center to Lucas Oil Stadium. Um and then Lucas Oil Stadium, the entire field was full of tables set out and aligned for you to come play games.
0: Yeah, which if you take a look at our Instagram, we have a cool little shot of there of the field. But also the like rooms in Lucas Oil Stadium also had things going on with them. That's right. There were RPG rooms going on. There was the true dungeon experience. Which, uh, which we've
1: got to get into next year. Yep. It's like an escape room, but it's a dungeon.
0: Yeah, type. It's it's kind of like a mix between an escape room and a LARP. So,
1: And yep. once you do it, you get rewards that you can bring back to the next year or whatever yeah uh I, he we were he was telling me about this i think it was like on day two or something i was like oh let's go check that out he's like it sold out yeah i was like lead with that lead yeah. with that <laughs> but
0: yeah uh it was it was massive uh, the food
1: trucks were really cool oh we'll talk food trucks that's yep. that's one of my favorites
0: yeah so uh let's jump in so on gen con we talked about this year we were going to be helping out the guys from ba games Uh, who we have mentioned multiple times. We've had them on the show a few times. If you don't know who they are, you just haven't been listening. Uh, But
1: maybe this is your first episode, but go check them out. Uh, BAGamesCo.com is their website. You can find them on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, BA Games. Their logo is a goat. So if you see that, you're going in the right direction.
0: Yep. Uh, So we were helping them with their booth this year. Uh, They have... One game that is out now, ready for purchase, and they have one game that has finished Kickstarter and should be in production as of now, looking to be available first part of 2024.
1: Right. The game that they already developed that was out, we were able to sell copies of that, which I'm just going to say, we sold the shit out of some of those games. (laughs) Uh, That's Cult of the Deep, which is a great game that is a social deduction hidden role type game, which a lot of people, that immediately is a turnoff for them. They don't like social deduction games. But I think what makes Cult of the Deep unique is that it is a social deduction game, and you don't tell anybody what your role is. But the mechanics of the game require rolling and applying powers and stuff, and that's kind of how you figure out who's who.
0: Yeah, it it has a lot more gaminess to it than most social deduction games that are you sitting around the table, you know, either voting or something like that, to try and complete missions. Right. Um, And that's kind of how you figure it out. There's With the dice rolling mechanics, also the rituals in the table, it's a whole lot more game than just social deduction.
1: Right, so let's give you the spiel. So people (laughs) would be walking by and be like, hey, you want to join a cult? And 90% of the people went one way or another. Either they got scared and ran off, or... They were immediately interested. Yeah. So yeah. we were like, ah, these are our people. So they would step over, and we would run a demo for it. Cult of the Deep, like we said, is a social deduction, a hidden role-type game where you're in a cult, which is great. comes with all the bonuses that get to, you know you get for being in a cult. Summoning elder to Horror, Human Sacrifices, all the good stuff. The problem is half of the cult is looking for new management, while the other half kind of wants to keep things the same. So you get a role dealt to you to begin the game, and this is what you keep hidden. You can either be one of the faithful, you could be the high priest themselves, or you could be one of the Kabbalists. You keep that to yourself. On top of that, you'll get Delta character card. The character card kind of defines how you're going to play the game. It gives you asymmetric powers that you're able to use. You power those by a roll of the dice. Yahtzee roll mechanic, you get six dice to roll. Whatever comes up on the dice is how you assign them. That's going to determine what you could do. The dice could do things like harm people. They could do things like heal yourself or someone else, or you may be able to move one of the rituals forward, which are going to be in the middle of the table. These rituals are... Things that the cult's trying to accomplish. Every time you're able to play a dice with the right symbol on the right one, you move the ritual closer to being done. Every time you do that, you may get a small bonus. Um, When you complete a ritual, you get to keep that ritual for a larger bonus later on. Or you may just be trying to get rid of it because that ritual is causing damage to everybody on the table. It's a little chaotic. With all that damage flying around and backstabbing going on, it's entirely possible that your character ends up getting murked before this is over with. If that happens, don't worry. You get to come back as a wraith. You get your own set of dice to roll, and as people are assigning their dice, you get to change their dice for one of yours, thus still being able to affect the end of the game. Or as a cabalist, you're looking to kill the High Priest. If the High Priest dies for any reason, any time, no matter who did it, you win. If you're one of the faithful, you're trying to keep them alive and get rid of the cabalists that are at your table and any heretics. That's right. There's another card out there that's the heretic, and they're kind of the overachiever because they want to kill everybody unless they die, and then they decide to pick a side. So that was the spiel that we pretty much perfected <laughs> after four days. Um, it is a great game. We had a bunch of people like, oh, are you demoing it? And at the time, we weren't, but Saturday, we ended up running in some demo games. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people came back really liking it. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, the main demos that we were running at the booth were actually for their other game, uh, which is Forges of Ravenshire, which we've talked about on here. We we brought it up when it went to Kickstarter. Uh, fantastic dice placement game with some engine building aspects to it. Um, it's, it's a pretty strong game that has a lot of multiple mechanics, which are kind of um, par for the course for their games. Right. Um, I think is what kind of draws us to them. I got the opportunity to run a lot of demos of that Yeah, So we would play through the first season. Everybody get a feel for how the dice placement worked. Uh, It's very much you place a dice, you take the action, you take a dice, you take the action. Uh, The numbers matter depending on what resources you get and where you place it. Uh, A lot of really good, interesting stuff. If you're interested in finding more about it, um, you can actually play it right now on Sovereignty. That's right. Um, You can also take a look. There are uh, mods for it on Tabletop Simulator as well. So definitely check it out if you like Dice Placement. Um, or worker placement games. A lot of people who enjoyed those, like this game. Right. Um, I think the element of engine building with the guilds also adds kind of an extra step to it. Um, as well as the production phase where you're trying to you know, build out the armor. So the whole premise of the game comes, uh, you are a blacksmith in the town of Ravenshire. Uh, the forge master of Ravenshire has disappeared. Some people say he was eaten by a dragon. Most people don't know. But you are trying to become the best over four seasons and make the most armor, weapons, shields, whatever, to gather the most gold. So you do that through the dice placement, which gives you resources. Um, You also build a guild out of different workers. So you're able to run those and generate more resources. And lastly, you produce as much armor and weapons as you can.
1: Pretty simple concept at the end. The blacksmith with the most gold wins. Yep. So, uh, like, a lot of people sat down and played that game. There were a lot of people who were like, oh, let me buy this. And we were like, you can't. But, so we'd have to tell them. It's like, yeah, here, it's in, uh, it's right now it's finished, but you can still late pledge or pre-order. And you can get a copy of the game. So, it is still, I believe, in pre-order if you're interested. Um, just look for Forges of Ravenshire. Yep. So, that was a big part of our con. We worked, what, three afternoons at the booth?
0: Yeah. Something like that, for sure. Um, which was not bad. Like We were worried to begin with that we didn't want to sign up for too much with them. Right. Because it's our first Gen Con. We didn't know what we were getting into. Um, that sort of thing. But I know both of us, I think, really enjoyed barking at the booth more than we thought we would.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I got a lot of gifts. I don't know. Apparently, I was the only one. Yeah, I, I didn't get nothing. I would do my little spiel, and people would be like, oh, that's so cool. they give me stickers. I got a little miniature duck.
0: It's apparently uh, because you're charming.
1: That's what it is. I keep telling people this, and they just keep not listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a good time with it, and I think that we were able to help them out. Because uh, BA Games is a family group. It is yeah. three brothers and their wives that get involved and help out uh, and are kind of like moving this company along. Uh, talking to them, it feels like they learned a lot at, for producing uh, Cult of the Deep Yeah, that they applied. So hopefully Forges of Ravenshire is going to be an even bigger hit when all the chips are down. Yep. Uh, and then they'll be looking for the third game, which there are great suggestions out there.
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's uh, they're an awesome group of people. Um, if you have tried their games and you enjoy them, um, talk to your local game store about making sure they're carrying copies of it. Um, because it's definitely one way to get the word out. Them being a small self-published company. Right. Um, they don't have the huge backing that some of these other companies do. Uh, but they are really good people. Uh, we enjoy working with them. Uh, it was a blast to help them with the booth.
1: Some of the other great parts about this. Uh, we talked about the food trucks and- I know this sounds like me being a fat guy talking, uh, <laughs> but the road between the convention center and Lucas Oil Stadium was also blocked off above ground, and that's where the block party was. There were all sorts of local like restaurants and stuff that had set up a couple little tents. There was like a beer tent out there. Uh, there was uh, Wild Bill's sodas, Yep. so everybody was going out there to have to fill their cups. There was another soda company,
0: too. We didn't go to them because we're loyal.
1: That's right, Wild Bill. You hear that? We've got a code. Oh, yeah. Like, we've actually got a code if you want to order Wild Bills. We'll put it in the show notes, save you some money. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, and then out on the street, there were like 30... food trucks out there. Yeah.
0: And they rotated too. It wasn't like it was the same food trucks every day. Like you'd have your like morning food trucks and then some of them would leave and you would get some more afternoon food trucks. Right. And yeah, every day it was a slightly different lineup. Some of them were there all the time. Yeah. Um, They were kind of staples, but then some, like it was enough rotation where-
1: We did eat at the same place. Twice. No, we didn't need to. Oh, and then there was also the tent for the island noodle place. Oh, yeah. Which apparently the island noodles are, uh, it's a staple. They're like...
0: Soba noodles? Soba noodles,
1: yeah. And they've got vegetables in them. You can get get them with chicken, but it's like they either had plain or with chicken. It was real easy. The line for this place was long all the time, but it was fast.
0: Yeah, and there's always these guys sitting there with... Like, two walks each, uh, constantly cooking the stuff. And they're trying to be all flashy with their, like, chopping up with the veggies. And,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So you get a show and some dinner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a good time. And it worked out great. It was right next to Wild Bill's. So we could get your food, go get a drink, go sit down. Uh, we sat outside and ate most of the time for yeah, lunch. Yeah, the weather was not bad. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think only one day it was pretty warm. But uh, the rest of the time, it was really, really nice. Um, but, yeah, there were so many options.
1: Oh, my gosh. We had pierogies
0: yeah we had Uh, those calzones where so this this food truck was like a double decker food truck and they had a brick oven in the food truck to make these calzones
1: right and the side where they were serving out of was like all glass you could see inside of it it was uh it was pretty cool and the calzones were just i mean spot on yeah they were were fantastic
0: we had like this nachos the i think it was the first night we were there we were starving after the day and we were like i i just want something to eat we're like all right these guys have nachos we'll try them out we're like all right prices i mean it seems a little pricey but you know whatever we'll try it and then we get like a, a box of nachos each yeah it, it's I, ridiculous
1: i feel like if they were like charging us by weight that we got we made out pretty good
0: oh yeah yeah because yeah. neither of us finished what we got but
1: yeah, uh, yeah you got what the chicken and what? i had the shrimp nachos which were yeah. like i was like eh. Josh got up and got the last chicken, so they're like, oh, we got a shrimp, and I was like, well, I guess I'm getting shrimp, and I wasn't excited about it. I'm not a big seafood guy, but uh, no, man, they were banging. They were yeah. just amazing, and I was like, oh, well, I made mistakes. I think I got about halfway through my box, and it was just like, no, I can't fit any more nachos or <laughs> shrimp into me.
0: <laughs> yeah, Um so that, that was a blast. Definitely something. So one thing about the food trucks, though, this year um, that I'd read from people who had went in the past, this was a different location from where it usually yes. is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were saying, though, they liked this location better. It seemed to work out better for um, just kind of where things were. I know personally, I, I thought it was a great location. Yeah.
1: No, it worked out really well. I mean, you had to walk out to it, um, but it wasn't crazy.
0: Yeah, no, there was uh, there was a really long hallway leading to, like, the exit door nearby. Right, when we was- say hallway,
1: we're talking like this, like, 20, 30 feet across. Like, it was yeah. a big-ass hallway, because there was always people sitting on the side up against the, up against the thing eating.
0: Yeah, and they also had the uh, retro pinball machines in there. That's right. There was like 50 or 60 pinball machines.
1: Which apparently there was a weekend tournament going on for that. I saw the trophies.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Whoever could get the high score, I guess.
1: So if you like pinball machines, also Gen Con.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a blast. Um, that part was really cool. It always looked really, really busy. Yeah. But we never waited more than maybe 10 minutes in a line, yeah. maybe.
1: And I think that was the line that decided we were like, all right, we're going for the noodles. Everybody tells us we got to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it just happened to be really busy when we were trying to get there that afternoon, but it was still, I mean, extremely fast.
1: It was, it was, uh, and it was good and it was worth it. I love it. Like it was a, that was kind of like a, a big part, like getting to try new stuff out there. Um, I'm a food guy anyway. I really tell you like that first day, the pierogies that we got were, they were excellent. Yeah. that yeah, was, that,
0: that was a really good, good choice. Um, So, yeah, the other thing that um, was one of the highlights of the trip was uh, with the Warhammer guys. They did something different here at Gen Con that we've never seen before. It was a kill team dungeon crawl.
1: Right. So for those that don't know, uh, there are a lot of different type of games uh, in the 40K or Warhammer uh, setup. Like you can play the big tabletop games. There's a couple different versions of that. There's the 40K or there's the Age of Sigmar, which is more like fantasy based. Yeah. there's Necromunda, which is a different type of game with its own set of rules. There's actually a board game uh, that we we actually got from our Warhammer guy uh, to try out. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Kill Team is a tactical game. So you've got a squad of maybe like 8 to 12 figures that you're moving. They used kind of loosely based on those rules. So one of their... Uh, settings for like your terrain is called the gallo dark and it is a space Hulk. And for those who are not familiar with 40 K space Hulks are what happen when lots of different type of these massive ships enter into the warp, which is another dimension full of demons and bad stuff. And they all get crushed together into just one big thing. And then it gets spit back out and floats around. So it's basically this, this huge dungeon, you know, with like hatches and battleship doors and stuff like that. And in this version that we, were, uh, that we got to play, you come on as a boarding team, and it's four miniatures. So the first time we played, it was just the two of us, so we yep. both controlled two minis. Um, and you breach into the, to the room. They'll draw a card to see what's in the room, what kind of enemies are in it, if there's any loot in there. And then you've kind of got to play, like I said, with a loose interpretation of the kill team rules to survive. Now, you're not going to survive. You're going to die. Yeah like that it's a, it's a grind. It's definitely a grind, but the loot that you do pick up, you get to bring back. So by the end of Gen Con, our characters were a whole lot stronger. Thanks to the gear that they had picked up.
0: Yeah. Uh, shout out to Matt also, by the way, uh, the best DM that we, uh, played with in this all weekend. <laughs> Matty B. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude's awesome. Uh, hope he comes to PAX. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a blast. um, I never had so much fun dying over and over. Um, but yeah, we got some really cool loot. I like that you got to come back every time. We actually made some friends. We played with some of the same people a couple <laughs> times. Uh, and it was cool, though, what I like. So the, the last time we played... Um we were sitting there we had more loot than what we could actually use so we had a person play with us who had never played the con so they were starting out you know with nothing
1: right this so was we're their like, first time
0: yeah here here's a flamethrower and uh yeah here's a couple other things so we were able to kit somebody out completely who had never played before which one, made our chances of getting to the boss room better, right? Um, but also made like that person have a better experience because they don't just get murked. Yeah, I right mean, away. Because yeah.
1: you start out as a rogue trader breacher, and you've got a lasgun. And for the 40K people, they're all laughing right now. Uh, the last gun is this laser gun that is handed out to the Imperium. It'll blast through all kinds of stuff, and it's still just considered an overpowered flashlight in the world of 40K. So that's your start out with. It does some damage. We survived with them until we got something better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we came back uh, and we made it to the boss room twice? Yeah, twice.
0: Uh, the first time was not really an attempt. Um, we got to
1: see into the boss room. Yeah, How about that?
0: I, and then I got stabbed through the door, which I think was bullshit, but here we are. <laughs> um but the second time it was it was oh it was so close. We were almost able to take down the boss, um, which it's a random boss every time, which is fantastic. Uh but yeah, it's it it's a blast. They did confirm they are gonna bring it to PAX as far as we know right now, so we'll definitely be jumping in on that if they do. Um, but yeah, all in all, this was a fun, I, there was a few rules kind of issues, questions that came up, but this was the first time they had ever done this. right? So yeah, definitely not faulting them for that. Sure. Um, this is different, I think from anything they've really ever tried before. Yeah. But as far as I could tell after, so the first day it was really light there. People were just kind of like swinging by, taking a look at it sort of thing. Um, but by Sunday, like you were waiting to get, to get your a shot at the yeah. table. Yeah. Yeah
1: the um and that kind of brings up uh like a thing that in Gen Con i didn't know uh we had to get general admission tickets
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're used to packs where packs you just have to sign up in time to to yeah. get into something
0: or get in line or something like that
1: right yeah. in gencon there are a lot of events that require these uh general admission tickets and you can get them you buy them for 2 bucks a piece um and so every time we ran the gauntlet or ran the gallo dark we would uh, give them one ticket. So two bucks every time we did it.
0: Yeah. And Gen Con uses that to figure out how popular events are. Right. Um, so that way they know what like to give a spot to for next year. Right. Which is very, very sense. interesting. And I wouldn't have ever thought about it. But after seeing Gen Con and seeing how every usable space was taken it makes complete, like perfect sense.
1: Right, right. You could also use those if you wanted to get into game demos.
0: Yeah. Um, Other things that had specific ticketing requirements as well, you could use the generic tickets for if there was space at the tables. Right. Um, so that was one thing. If you maybe didn't get the tickets in time for the specific events, um, you could use the amount of generic ticket tickets equal to the cost of the event right and as long as there was a space you could get in so
1: and the events ranged from like two bucks to like up to 30 depending on what they were
0: yeah there were some like really crazy ones but that was pretty average for what they were um
1: just something to be aware of if you do go to gen con some of these events do require other than your pass to get in
0: Yeah. I think, um, if we'll get into kind of recommendations for future times when we go, but definitely the earlier you can get your badge and if you can get it before events open up, then you can register for more events. Like in time, you'll have more access to them, that sort of thing. Not that there weren't enough to choose from. Cause even we didn't get our badges till what a few weeks before the con yep. uh, because of the scenario we were doing with the guys, um, but even then, there were so many events we could have signed up for. Uh, yeah. M- I mean, they don't ever all fill up.
1: Right. You've, you're going to get to do stuff.
0: And this year, Saturday badges got sold out. And four-day badges got sold out while we were there. So they were talking 70,000 people were in attendance on Saturday.
1: Yeah, which brings us to kind of like the next part of this. Because I think that first part is like what we what we really thought was the best part of Gen Con for us. Yeah. Uh, what was the worst part of it for you? I know what mine is. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I don't. It, I don't know if so much the worst part because we avoided it like the plague, but um, that Lorcanna line.
1: Who? <laughs> so if you're going to something that's this big, you're gonna have to just make peace with you're gonna stand in some lines.
0: Yeah, and there's gonna be a lot of people around, and you. You know, use your social awareness, understand that you're going to get bumped into, you're going to bump into people, you know, quick, sorry, you know, excuse me kind of thing and just go about your life. You know, there's going to be times when you can't like maneuver into places you're trying to. You may have to wait a second. Yeah. You know, just understand that because there, no matter how big this room is, there's always more people than could probably fit in there.
1: Right. And there's very important things to note if you're at a convention like this. And I think they're just kind of good to know to begin with. One. Hygiene's important. Um, there wasn't a lot of that though. Like everybody, yeah, I didn't really notice. Um, the other thing is, if you want to stop and talk to your buddies, don't do it in the middle of an intersection. <laughs> do not stop in the middle of the flow of traffic to tell thirty-year-old war stories or whatever you guys were doing. <laughs> Jesus, like move off to the. There's plenty of room off to the side. Go over there. Yeah. Don't stand. You see where the flow of people are.
0: So there were. <laughs> that that happened quite a lot, unfortunately. Uh, just, you know, situational awareness was not great all the time, but uh, there were quite a few lines around the convention center, especially day one. Yeah, People trying to get in and get access, because Gen Con, for those of you who don't know, a lot of times carries early releases. That's right. So games that you cannot get outside of the convention will be available at the convention. Um, and it's usually the time frame of a couple weeks to a month ahead of time before they actually hit retail. But a lot of people want to be the first ones to get their hands on things. I understand it. There's a big FOMO about it.
1: Right. You know. Right. Um, and that, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about the biggest line that we saw was Lorcana.
0: Yeah, so if there were an award for this, uh, they would have won all of them. Like oh, a, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Lorcana, for those of you who don't know, we mentioned it kind of in our pre-episode. Um, it is the new trading card game out by Ravensburger uh, that is Disney-themed. Um, automatically, if bells are not going off in your head thinking how popular this is going to be, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, Magic the Gathering being the like granddaddy of trading card games. Um, you can see how popular that is, considering somebody wanted to steal $300,000 worth of it at the beginning of the con. This has Quality. potential to uh, unite a couple fandoms, which I think makes the potential for how big this could be um, pretty unlimited, I think, at this sure.
1: point. Sure. And if the lines and the excitement over it at Gen Con were any indication, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there were times where that line had 1,500 people in it.
0: Oh, easy. So well, let's start with the day one, because this is a saga. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of things that happen with this. Day one, uh, you have people lining up at the various entrances to the hall. Uh, some people thought they were lining up at the correct door to get into the Lorcana line. Unfortunately, neither Ravensburger nor Gen Con had decided where that line should be. So the people who were lined up at the wrong door were immediately told after the, after it opened, after the hall opened, they were told, no, you guys are in the wrong place. The correct line is back there. So in the ensuing like chaos and trampling that happened, uh, apparently some people got like stuck behind doors. There was like some people who almost got into a fight. I mean, there, there were some shenanigans going on day one. Sure. Yeah. Um, Day two is where it gets really exciting. So they come in, they bring in like the actual, um, what are those called, bollards? Yeah. 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 Uh, so they bring in the bollards and make the official line for Lorcata, And they tell people, hey, you guys can start lining up at 6 p.m. the day before so that you guys can get, and get in and get some.
1: Let's just be clear. You show up at Gen Con, day one, the line fiasco happens. You're told, hey- Friday, you can start lining up Thursday at six PM. Yeah. And stay in line overnight. Yes.
0: Until ten A. M. the following morning, which is when the convention or the Expo Hall actually
1: opened up. Which I think that's I'll just say it. That's uh, that was bullshit. That was that was a poor idea. Like these people are coming to the con. They're already everybody's already gonna be exhausted at the end of this, and you're wanting them to sleep in a line overnight. That was just such a bad call from Ravensburger.
0: So um we we fast forward, we show up to the con Friday morning, um, uh, about an hour, probably about nine o'clock, I guess. Uh, because with our exhibitor badges, you know, we walk in and we can walk right into the expo hall because we have those, right? Um, the line for Lorcana when we got there at nine o'clock, keep in mind an hour before the hall even opens, was not only from the far end of the hall where it started, it circled back on itself about two or three times and then came all the way up the, the length of the hall out the front entrance of Gen Con down the sidewalk. I mean, I, I guarantee if there weren't 1500 people in that line, there wasn't one person.
1: Yeah. It was It just, wow.
0: Yeah. And we <laughs> Gen Con employees or, or people um, who are helping out did a very good job of, forcing space in the line for people to get through right um so that was something that they did really really well i will
1: yeah um
0: but yeah like that was crazy like i imagine the people probably halfway down the hall probably did not even get product
1: oh yeah i don't know how like i can only imagine that some of them that waited hours hours in that line and they get there and they don't have what you want yeah
0: so we talked to a guy today actually um because lorcona released to local game stores um yesterday as a time of recording so we talked to a guy today at one of the game stores and he said yeah i was actually in the line on sunday uh, he said i got into it an hour and a half before the hall opened so for those of you counting that's 8 30 right and he says he was able to actually get to the booth and buy something by 11 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which and he said it was only an hour and a half of haul time, so it wasn't that bad. And I'm sitting there going, dude, you were you were you there were, for
1: three hours. Yeah. There's like, nothing in my life right now that I'm gonna wait three hours in a line for. Nothing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, so needless to say, this has been a interesting launch. Uh there is tons of excitement around it. That was probably the craziest thing I saw at Gen Con, and maybe that's why the rest of the lines weren't as bad, Yeah, we're, because we just saw that one, and we're <laughs> like, man, I'm just glad we're not in that one. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that was kind of just, there's just a lot of people, so you got to be prepared for that. Other than that, I didn't have a lot of disappointments. Um, here's one thing, too. If you're in public, say in a convention that may have fifty to 70,000 people in it, keep your <laughs> shoes on. There were so many people, like, especially, like, when they were sitting down to eat or something, like, just kicking off their shoes in the convention hall.
0: I So, I think it, it was less disturbing of those people than it was the people we saw walking around with no shoes on. Right. Like,
1: I saw some that, like, took the shoes off and they had socks on. I'm like, okay, you're sitting down to eat. I get it. There's a lot of walking going on. Not that bad. But if you'd listened to our pre-Gen uh, Gen Con episode, you would have learned to wear good shoes. <laughs> Uh,
0: we should have given them a business card and be like, "You, you should have listened to listen. pre episode." Uh,
1: but there were some people that were like, just straight barefoot walking around the convention center, and I don't know about you, but I'm like, "What in the Lord of the Flies is this shit?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it was definitely one of those things where uh, I I don't understand it. I wouldn't do it, and I didn't wouldn't ever recommend anyone else to do it. That's just crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, yeah, that was cringy so the the other thing I, I don't know if I would
0: label it under like bad or worse part of the convention but we did have an incident <laughs> uh, that I think we uh, we should issue a formal apology for
1: I, I I did send a formal apology on Instagram I don't know if she saw it or not um, <laughs> so day one of con we're getting there like a first first of all I mean it hits us it's a little overwhelming but we're like hey we got this. Let's make a plan. What do we need? We need tickets. Let's go find those tickets that we need. So we're charging through the uh through the hall. We're taking all kinds of these turns and passing all these little places. And there was a couple little like uh like food court looking deals. Yeah. And we're passing one and we're in a large group. The, the flow is all moving this way, and we're looking around, and I see someone, and I totally like, totally fanboyed here. Uh she was coming out of the food court i think she had like a pretzel or something she had her hands full of food and i look up and i go hey that's deborah ann wall and uh i was not using my inside voice (laughs) and i was pointing totally rude totally (laughs) rude uh josh is like what are you doing like what oh inside voice yeah (laughs) she looks over and like looks me right in the face and then she smiled and like ducked and took off uh, just to get out of the way. So, yeah, yeah, I could, I could understand it being a little embarrassing for her. Luckily, it did not cause like a like, group of people to swarm her while she was getting food. So, I felt good about that. But it was like, oh, yeah, that was my.
0: I don't know. I wonder if she gets like instances like that all the time, especially in like a setting like that, that is a lot. Where she's of- going
1: to be well known. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, it was, it was funny. Uh, because we've been to other cons before. We've seen people who, you know, are more or less famous than we consider them. Right. Um, and I don't think you've ever had that reaction for anyone else. <laughs> so I, I remember when we went to PAX the first year and uh, we had just got our badges. We were about to, like, figure out where the expo hall was. And uh, Kate Welsh was there. That's right. Uh and you turned to me and you were like, "That's Kate Welsh," like, nor like a normal person would do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember like looking over your shoulder and be like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right." Like, uh, but
1: yeah, definitely. <laughs> this was definitely more uh, open to the public.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Um, I've just been like, I've been a fan of hers for years with a lot of stuff she did. I watched True Blood. I watched Daredevil, which were two big things that she was in. Um, I also watched the D and D show that she ran on Geek and Sundry for a while. Yep. I just like, she is in my top three of celebrity DMs that yep. I would, I want to play with, uh, for me and in no particular order, it is Kate Welsh, Deborah Ann Wall and Brendan Lee Mulligan. So yeah, this one was big. Uh, and I don't know. I was there was a lot of excitement. Uh there was a lot going on. Uh pretty <laughs> sure I took my meds that morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh so I that- do I would like to point out though that she did smile and it seemed <laughs> genuine. And then she was like, All right, I gotta go.
0: Yeah. Uh so that was hilarious and was a great way for us to start. Uh because you know, social embarrassment is always a fun way to start a convention.
1: <laughs> I love that the people around us too were just kinda like, What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> They didn't see her. I don't think they saw her. She was fast.
0: Oh man. Yeah, so that was that was kind of our best and I guess the worst moments. I, I don't I, I don't know if I would quite call them all that, but um those were some of the, our our big fun takeaways from Gen Con. Uh it was an absolute blast for four days. Uh we have a lot more to talk about though. Um uh, let's start in with uh, let's some games that we looked at.
1: Right? Like that's the whole point of this thing. It is this is a big this is a gaming convention and there's so much good stuff. Like, there are the games that are out there, and then there are upgrades for the games. There are things to make your gaming life better with, like, what was it, Eldridge Foundry and, like, Norse Foundry and stuff like that. Um, there are dice. There are T-shirts.
0: Yeah. This. Uh, what is crazy, so a lot of what we focused on was just the Exhibitor Hall. When they say this is the best four days in gaming, they mean, like... This is the best four days in gaming, yeah, like all day, every day, like we talked about the Lorcana lines going overnight. that's because the expo like the areas around the expo hall stay open twenty four hours The yeah. gaming rooms, the a lot of the RPG rooms like there are people playing games. 24 hours at this thing
1: next time we're getting a hotel right across the street from the convention center yeah and we're gonna yeah
0: and a lot of the hotels that are connected to the convention center open up their spaces their convention spaces
1: for gaming for gaming yeah
0: um it's wild the amount of gaming going on because we're we're used to packs where everything kind of shuts down in the evening like it's not there are like kind of pockets of that going on still but it's nothing like this. Yeah, like yeah, this is crazy.
1: Uh, what was the the guys that had a party that doesn't get good until like ten o'clock? Uh, 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 cosplay deviants.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. The entire area around Indianapolis like buys into this. Yeah, which I mean, I could see when you're talking seventy thousand attendees, the amount of revenue for the city, I'm sure, is crazy.
1: And they just signed uh, with Indianapolis to continue in that area f- till 2030. Yeah though um but yeah let's talk about some of the games that we saw that uh we thought were cool uh i'll tell you right now we don't have the budget to buy everything that we liked i don't know if anybody <laughs> does um if there are some sponsors out there that want to help us out
0: yeah we might consider starting a patreon just so we can buy more <laughs> games um but yeah uh, there were there were a lot of really cool ones there a lot of new games too um some of the ones we talked about we didn't really get a chance to even look at uh which was crazy But um, I think probably first up, we did swing by the Stonemeyer Games booth. Um, They had their new game set in the Scythe universe, uh, Expeditions, uh, kind of out. Um, It is a kind of tile exploration game um, that uses some various mechanics. It plays completely different to Scythe, but has that same look
1: and feel. Uh, It looked really, really good. I really liked it. Um, there was the the plain edition. You basically you have a mech that you use to move around, and each mech is different, uh, which I'm always a fan of. But they had the regular, and then they had the ironclad edition where you get like these metal uh, mechs. Yeah. Uh, they just they felt really good uh, moving them around the board.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it was pretty cool. The booth was super crowded, which all the time we expect that with Stone Meyer. Um, but. Yeah, just the production level was exactly what you would hope for and expect. It it looked really, really good. I don't know that the game was my style of game after kind of getting a run through of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, I liked the way it looked, but I I wanted to do some more research on it from picking it up. There was a lot of hype built around it, um, but I wasn't quite sure if it was a game that we would like uh but definitely a cool like thing to take a look at while we were there
1: uh the other one that we got to look at which we actually got to sit down and play it fortunately there was a group that was supposed to show up at noon to play and they were like well if you guys want to hang around and watch you can and we were like cool we'll do that um uh, was Bad Karmas, which we talked about when it was on its Kickstarter. Yeah. Because what's unusual about this game is that it comes with this um, electronic mat setup. And you place the mat down, you place the board over the mat, and the mat reads where your pieces are, where the bosses are. Uh, Bad Karmas is kind of a boss battler. Yep. and um, and it's all ran, like, you have a tablet running the main game, the best way to set it up. They said you could run this with one device, but yep. they had a tablet set up that was running the game, essentially, and then four cell phones that you uh, ran the program on the cell phone and, like, keyed into the game. Yep. Uh, it, like, this goes beyond, like, a helper app or some kind of app-driven game, I think.
0: Yeah, it it takes it a step above. I So... I don't remember what episode, we could probably look it up and plug it into the show notes when it was in um, Kickstarter. I remember when we first looked at this game, uh, I thought that the technology behind it, if it works, uh, was my caveat, if it works, brings a different level to board gaming. Having played it, it works. It actually works really, really well.
1: Better than I expected it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I was very surprised with that. Um and it is exactly what I hoped it would be. Yeah. Um. So it runs off of a system called Tabaru, um. That is kind of the brain and the mat underneath the game, um. And this system. They are making it so that it is open source. You can actually get a prototype and developer kit for it. So, if they want to use their own games or make a game for it, any company can. Yep. They did just sign a deal with Hasbro to use the for them to use the technology to develop different things. I'm excited to see what comes out of that. Oh
1: my God. It's got to be a D&D game, right? They're going to have to make a D&D game for this. I mean, thing.
0: I'm even thinking just like a uh, battle map type stuff too. Yeah. Like, yep. But the really cool thing about this, um, so because of the board, the app is able to respond to player decisions. Yes. So in this game, Bad Karma with a boss battler. As you move your piece around the board, you do the different actions. The boss makes its decisions based on where the players are and takes like the most advantageous decision and placement and movement, all that sort of thing, based on what the players do themselves. That's right. Which completely changes the game. You know, I'm a big fan of like Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth. That is a app driven game. But short of the inputs that you give to it most everything is pretty much ran on rails. Right. Um, this allows it to completely open up. Yes. Um, so we had never played this game before, short of that demo. And we sat down at the table, and he explained kind of some basics of how to maneuver in, into the app and things like that. And then the game basically taught us how to play.
1: That's right. There was no reading a manual. There was no, nobody figuring it out. Like You, you immediately get into the game.
0: Yeah, we so we did one scenario where we fought a boss. The whole like shenanigans happened. It was probably maybe thirty minutes. Yeah, like the the whole playtime, and it was not like twenty minutes of explanation, ten minutes of gameplay. I mean, we were playing for probably 20, 25 minutes. Right. Um, the first five minutes was just getting everything set up, making sure everything was connected, all that sort of stuff. Um, I love that the dice themselves they automatically send whatever you roll back to the system. That was really cool.
1: Like you pick up the dice, the dice is connected and it was a, like a larger D6 and it would tell you shake the dice. And as you would shake it in your hand, you'd see it on the screen. It was like, now roll. And you would throw the dice and it would tell you what number you rolled. Like you could see it on the dice too, but it pops up on the screen.
0: Yeah. Which it's, it's really, really cool. Um, Yeah. This, this system was everything I hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the really cool things. So we we're talking with the designers. The main design team is out of Italy. Yep. Um, there is a secondary team as well in Canada. Um, and we were talking to them while we were waiting for, you know, to see if that other group is going to show up about like. What they've done as far as the design process goes, you know, how have they tested it, that sort of thing. Because uh, one of the things that they had brought up was the multiplayer option. Right. Where if you and another person who lives wherever in the world that they live want to play the same game together, as long as you each have the the mat and the game board, you can play the same game. You can connect via internet and it'll actually record where the other person is moving. And the boss will recognize you guys as the team playing the same game. You all see what is happening at the same time. They said they played a game where the team in Italy played with the team in Canada on the same game, and the whole nine yards. Right. Um. That's awesome. Yeah. Like the the level of connectivity that that brings. It. I feel like it gets us a step closer to bridging that gap between board game and video game. Yeah. Um. Because that's kind of where we're stepping into with like AI that the boss has and things like that, which I think is not necessarily a bad place to be. Some people who are purists don't like this kind of thing. And I mean, that is what it is to me. This is a completely new, like realm of board games that we can explore. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. I love traditional board games as well. They don't use an electronic component. They're great. A lot of them do extraordinary things. Um, I think if you like something like that, this is a fantastic system to look into. Um, it was really cool to meet the design team because that's who was there.
1: Right, we spent—I mean, we spent an hour at that booth just kind of talking to them.
0: Yeah, um, because we got a chance to ask them a lot of really cool questions, you know, about how it works and things like that. And they were very open with talking about the way that it—the system works, the way. The, some of the elements that they were designing into it to make it more universal. Um, like one of the things that the brain of the um, of the board that sits underneath um, is now removable, right? So that you can have different shaped boards and all you'd have to do is click it into the new board and then it would recognize. So if you down the road, as we get, hopefully, you know, more publishers and developers making games to work with this system, It's going to go from having the standard rectangular board to now, you know, who knows what we might end up with. right? Um, And that's all going to be possible because of that quick little interchange that you can make with the brain of the system.
1: I would like to see different size boards. I would like to see the sensors getting more sensors on each board. Yep. Things like that. But um, we're actually going to, in our crowdfunding roundup, we're going to talk about their second game. On the Teberu system, which yep. is Milan Uprising. So yep. if you're interested, that'll be a good place for you to go look at this technology.
0: Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. One of the other places that we got to swing by. Um, so we have been a fan of Pops and Beiju games mm-hmm. for a while since right. uh, Cultivate actually yep that we, was their first game yep we were able to try that out play that a little bit that was fantastic um we've actually picked up their next game which was channel one right um and then they have another game that is out now called uh, alphabet stoop um so we had to stop by their games that's right uh we actually met uh jenna who is the beiju of pops and beiju games that's
1: right she's from uh beiju minnesota
0: i believe so yeah um but yeah super nice lady uh we got a chance to talk with her a little bit. Um, we gave her a pin, and she was like, oh, yeah, I recognize your guy's logo. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're be- making a name for ourselves. Uh, but, yeah.
0: So, we took a look at at Alphabet Stoop. Um, I really like their games because of how light they are. They are. Um, they have a really good element still of strategy, but they're not overwhelming where, like, people can't get into them. They're very accessible.
1: Yeah, I – Cultivate was so cool, and we played it. Uh, we pulled that out a couple times and played it. Um, I, I really liked that one. And just getting to sit and talk with her really just personable, and it was awesome. And she handed us a ton of bookmarks. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have those lying around uh, in the stash. Um, but it was just great getting to meet her. And it was cool that she was like, Oh, I recognize this, and talked to us a little while. And then she came by our booth later on. Yeah. Um, but it was cool, and congratulations on them for their third game being published. Yep, yep. Um, and then not too... Was it right down the hall from her? That's where we found the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game.
0: Yeah, so this one was... It actually just came out. Um, it hit store shelves right around the time Gen Con was, or right before. Um, so this is a new role-playing game from Marvel uh, where you basically get to build your own superhero.
1: Sure. Now, there are pre-builts which you all know and love, it's like Spider-Man, you know, all the the Marvel property. Yeah. Um they were in there, but that's the part that I was really excited about is I don't want to play their hero, I want to play my hero. Yeah, yeah. And that is an option.
0: Um it's a really interesting d6 based system. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it looked really cool. We got a chance to kind of talk with uh the guy who was there running the booth. Um the really cool thing about it is that for future um, accessories that are going to be made for that game, they are all going to be made by Simon. So, um, initially, they just made the special dice, which we were able to see while we were there. Um, it was like a translucent D6 with the Marvel logo on it. Um, that's their initial product. Afterwards, I would expect things like miniatures right. and stuff like that. And knowing their quality, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. So, I'm excited to see what comes out of that. It's a very interesting system um it's definitely one on a short list of new rpgs we were looking at
1: another game that we got to check out was final girl but this was season two
0: yep uh so we've talked about a little bit um you know that i'm a fan of final girl season one i have the big box i've got all the goodies all the things um it is a solo game uh which a lot of people are like how do you have a solo board game it's very easy and it's fantastic you should try it uh, but the premise is you are the final girl of a horror movie. It's that that general trope where you alone can summon up the courage and power to take out whatever the bad guy is. Uh, the season one of Final Girl was traditional horror themes, so you had killers that were similar killers that were similar to Jason, Freddy, that sort of thing. Season two was a lot more sci-fi. Yeah. So we got things like there's a an aliens one um there's like a tremors one um and a few others they all look fantastic i was very tempted to buy the big box for that um my budget said no um <laughs> so we we yeah. d- redirected but it's definitely something i think i'm going to pick up some of the uh, feature films for so the way the game works for those of you who don't know there's a core box that you have to buy that has basically your generic pieces that you need to play any game. And then you can buy feature film boxes. These come with a enemy and a location. Now, you can mix and match feature films and enemies and things like that, but you always have to pair the core box with one enemy and one location. Um, Each of the feature films has two final girls in it they have different abilities and things like that that they can do and of course the enemies each have their own special abilities and even the locations have special things that happen in them so there's a lot of game even in just a core box and one feature film which if I'm not mistaken is like a $40 price tag. Um, Just standard retail. Right. So it's not a huge buy-in. If you're someone who likes solo games and want to give it a shot, Um, you can find hundreds of thousands of reviews on it online. It's a great game. Definitely check it out. Uh, whether you get Season 1 or Season 2, find the one that you love and go for it.
1: I think the last game that we really looked at um, that we didn't buy, because we'll talk about those in a second, was the uh, RPG Old Gods of Appalachia. Yeah. So that is by Monty Cook Games. That's right. Which... Huge fan of Monty Cook games. Like uh, my first fifth edition experience was in Tolus, which is a Monty Cook setting. Yeah, um, it's based off of a podcast by the mm-hmm. same name. If you're interested um, and you're into good storytelling, definitely go and listen to that. It's set in like 1920s Appalachia and in an alternate universe where the mining and you know uh, stuff in Appalachia has gotten the veil between humanity and this other world really thin. So there's a lot of things that happen um, that are, I wouldn't say a cult. Um, eh, a culty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it, so uh, those of you who may not be familiar with kind of Appalachian culture, um, it is rooted a lot in folklore. Yeah. Yeah a lot of that probably comes from way further back with native Americans and things like that. But a lot of it comes from that relationship of the people, like with the spirits of like the earth and things like that. Um, so there is a lot of that kind of elements that are built into this. Uh, it's, it looked really, really interesting. It runs off the cypher system. That's right. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm which is very, very open-ended. I, I really liked, that was my first experience kind of looking at it. Right. Cause we got um, to play
1: like a 15 minute, uh, little demo demo type. Yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, but what I love, so we growing up in North Carolina, we're, we were adjacent to all of this culture. Right. Um, we grew up not really in the area that it involved in, but probably less than an hour outside of kind of where you start getting into it. That's right. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to look in there and you see like, these places in North Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, West Virginia, all these things where, you know, the setting takes place. Uh, And a lot of the, like, supernatural elements and things are rooted in folklore that was actually believed in these locations. Yep. Um, So, yeah, it's very, very cool. The cover art looks gorgeous Um, if you take a look at it.
1: Monty Cook has been around for more than 50 years making games. And, I mean, this is just... It's just, it's really well done. Um, I, I really like playing that Cypher system. Um, I'm kind of excited to maybe get into more of this later on.
0: Yeah, I definitely, like we said, check out the podcast if you are a fan of storytelling. Uh, Steve Shell is the guy who originally started it. Um, and from the beginning, like it's, it's a beautiful story. It's a little creepy. Um, there are some elements in it that may not be for everybody, but the way the story is told and is tied back together, it's it's amazing. So definitely take a look at that as well.
1: So then we actually bought some games. Uh, I hope you guys were buckled in for a long episode. Let's start with Diced Veggies.
0: Yeah, so this was a game uh, that I believe we mentioned beforehand. Yep. Uh, it's a light game that um, got quite a bit of hype, actually, before Gen Con. Take a look at it. Basically, you roll, you roll dice and create them into a cube um, that you can then use a cardboard cleaver to cut out the dice that you want to use to cook the recipes that you have. Right.
1: All the dice are D6s, and there are five different colors, which represent the five different ingredients that you could possibly use uh, to create whatever these recipes are. Uh, we've actually played it with a four- and a six-year-old, um, and they love it. Like, they're having such a blast with it. I'm so glad that we walked over and picked that one up.
0: Yeah, Uh, because it's from Kids Table Board Games. Yes. Is the um, original kind of publisher on it. And they have both the rules that would be for, like, older groups that could really, like work with it and because it, it has like like upgrade cards and stuff like that to make it a little more complicated. Sure. But then they have a simplified version. They
1: do. Like the, the original version you need to be able to read and understand what it's telling you to do. But yeah. for kids that haven't gotten to that point yet, the simplified version is amazing. Yeah. So um we also picked up Dodo's riding dinos.
0: Yeah so this was a surprise pickup. Uh we did not go into the con looking for this game. Um I had heard a lot about this game and it was on my short list of games to kind of take a look at and pick up. If we ever got the chance, um, Sunday, (laughs) we were perusing the hall before it opened as we did with our exhibitor badges. And we stumbled across this booth, um, they had this really cool dragon game. And I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Like the way it was all set up, the miniatures and everything. And then like the other half of the booth was this ridiculous looking cartoon game. And I was like, that looks interesting. And then I saw, oh, it, that's Dodo's riding dinos. Um, so we looked, they had a stack of like 10 games left. That, yeah, They had sold out of everything else they brought to the con. Um, so I walked over, talked to the guy for a minute. And I was like, so tell me about this game. I've heard a good bit about it. Um, like, you know, give me your pitch. So we went through the pitch and he started out with, this is basically Mario Kart, the board game. Right. And I was like, all right, I'm in. You pick one of your racers, which all of them are various dinosaurs, either with dodo riders or they're carrying dodos. Um, and it is a racing game around the tracks. There are four different tracks that come in the board and each track has a short and a long version. Uh, in these tracks, you there are various elements depending on the track you choose um, that will affect the race. Each of the racers have different abilities. Um, you also get power-ups that you can use to try and knock the other racers off the track
1: right and you actually have to flick those or whatever so there's a dexterity component yeah in this
0: there are ones that you flick there are ones you drop from above the game there are ones you roll um yeah there each one has its own way to implement it um depending on which one you're trying to use uh, this one looks fantastic. We have not got a chance to play it yet. I'm really excited when we do. Um, but this was one that has gotten a lot of really good reviews. Um, and it was awesome because I, I know they sold out because we went back uh, later on Sunday. Yeah, that afternoon. And they had converted the whole booth to the Dragon yeah, game. Yeah, So, yeah. But that was really cool. I'm glad we got to pick that one up. I'm excited to get that one to the table.
1: Um, I picked up Stuff of Legends. We looked a little bit at it and we talked about it before we went. Seeing it on the spread out and actually in the demo, I was really excited to get this one. Um, basically, the premise is that the boogeyman has taken, uh, like, kidnapped this child, and you play as his toys, and you have to cross into the realm of darkness to go get him. Yeah. Really, f- I, first of all, I, I'm a sucker for themes. Give me my Ameritrash. So this really, like, I just, I love the theme. Watching the gameplay on it, your characters change and evolve during the game. Like, the teddy bear in our world is a teddy bear, but as he steps into darkness, he becomes this, like, grizzly. Yeah. Um So, you know, he can actually do something. Your allegiances in the game can change throughout, depending on some of the cards you pull and some of the things you play. I'm um, really excited to get this one onto the table. We did pick up the, the Boogeyman edition, so we got a lot of like, little minis because, again, extras.
0: Yeah, that one looks really, really fun. That's another one that I'm excited about after seeing it kind of on the table mm-hmm. and getting like the the general walkthrough of it. Um, so another one we picked up what which we did not expect to be there was Disney Dixit. Right. Um, every site that I saw, this was just supposed to be a demo only. Uh, they actually had copies there from Asma Day. Uh, yeah. It's everything that you would think it is Dixit, which is one of my wife's favorite games, uh, which for those of you who don't know, Dixit Dixit is a game that has these cards that are tarot size with some crazy looking art on it. Um, a one of the players around the table um, says a phrase or a word or something that the art on their card reminds them of. And then everybody puts a card into the middle face down. Those get shuffled up and flipped over. And then everyone votes on on whose card or which card they think the the main person put down and then depending on how the voting goes there are different points that are earned and things like that um but it's a fantastic game what the disney version does is basically turn it from being a random word or phrase into an actual disney movie um so again you still got that crazy abstract art which is really really cool uh, but overall it looks like a really really good game
1: yeah and the last game that we picked up was boop Uh, This is the spooky version of Boop, which is the fun cat pouncing game. I mean, sure.
0: Uh, They're cats on a makeshift mattress. Uh, It's a two-player game where you're trying to bounce the other person's kittens or cats off um, in order to win the game.
1: That's right. Uh, We stopped over to pick that one up, and we saw that it was the special Halloween edition, so we got that and uh, the lady at the front that was taking the money was fantastic. She was just yelling at people, like, come bring me your money. So we did. Uh, And she was like, do you want to have the uh, designer sign it? We're like, yeah. So we have a signed copy of Boob.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's a fantastic little game. Uh, It Actually, the original version came out at PAX last year and immediately sold out um but yeah it, i'm excited for it uh got it want to get it to the table it seems like a little quick fun um but got a little bit of strategy to it kind of game
1: right and then i mean that's kind of that was the games that we picked up and then we picked up upgrades uh we've got uh i picked up some of the hematite dice and some of the metal tokens for moonrakers
0: and playmats
1: and the playmats finally finally got the playmats yep uh, you picked up some cards for Spirit Island.
0: Yeah, so picked up the uh, holographic spirit boards for Spirit Island, which are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I love the artwork for Spirit Island anyway. This just kind of takes it up a notch.
1: Um, and then I picked up the playmat for Heroes of Arcadia, which is another great game if you haven't got your hands on it from Rollacrit. Um, yeah, you basically build a dungeon. Your health is tracked through your cup. That's right. When you take damage, you drink Yep. Um, and you know, put whatever you want in there. Uh, but yeah, it's a good time. We've had a blast every time we broke it out and played it. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, games we picked up, games we saw, uh, kind of, I guess, lessons learned for us. Uh, first off, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we stopped going with Airbnb. (laughs) We had our lodging all sorted out months in advance and, uh, we were ready. And then the week before Gen Con, uh, we got a message saying that our stuff had been canceled. And the guy sent us a message saying, hey, i got to do maintenance on the property. He's like, you got to do maintenance on a property, one of the biggest weekends of the year. I think he realized he'd undersold it um, and was trying to make more money. So, uh, yeah, you uh, you can't trust everybody. That's what it comes down to. So be careful with your Airbnb. We did end up find a hotel. It was not great. Uh, but I think next year we may just just get a hotel.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I think that is important, especially for if you are going to Gen Con, There is so much to do. Um, There is probably even too much to do. Um, So find what you love. Yeah. Uh, You will never be able to do all the things that they have available at Gen Con. So whatever it is that you enjoy, whether it's board games, new games, playing old games, finding new friends, whatever it is, find what you love and just do that.
1: Yeah, we had a blast. Um, for anybody that's traveling from the Hampton Roads area, driving to Indianapolis, just letting you know that Point Pleasant is right on your way. So if you want to stop at the Mothman Museum, yep. um, I highly encourage that. Uh, we made the stop. There were some, like I said, pictures on our Instagram. Uh, we got a picture with the famous Mothman statue, yep. which is kind of a bucket list item for me, so I'm, I was good to go. Um, but other than that, uh, it was a great time, and uh, we'll do it again. And next up, our crowdfunding roundup. So we've got three great projects that we've pulled today. Two of them are a little haunting and a little spooky. One of those is the one that we talked about earlier with the Teboru system. So we're going to look at that. Uh, The next one is a preset RPG type style of uh, vampire commandos set in World War II. And finally, just because heists seem to be a fun thing to try, ask the guys uh, with the magic cards, Uh, We've got a heist game that is a dexterity-based, steal, push-your-luck, team-based game that you can try. So let's start with the big one. And when I say big, it's because, one, it's expensive, and two, I think this kind of thing is going to be huge when it comes to the future of board gaming. Uh, We found this one on Game Found, and it is Vampire the Masquerade Milan Uprising.
0: So this game uses the Teboru system that we were just talking about previously with Bad Karmas that we got to kind of play with and test out at Gen Con. Uh, The exciting system that it is that is actually able to view where players are on the map and the AI makes decisions. Um, So very, very interesting. This is a completely different game from Bad Karmas, which was a boss paddler. This one is much more of...
1: Area control, uh, it's set in the world of Vampire the Masquerade in Milan, Italy. Uh, you play the role of one of the leaders of one of the vampire factions, and you're trying to gain as much area as you can. With area comes more power, more control, um, but you can only do that at night. During the daytime, you have uh, your wards and your uh, you know, human accomplices that you've got to put into play. What's really cool about this game using the Teboru system is you have, I think it's three factions that are operating, trying to do the same thing. Um, If there's a faction that's unplayed or something, the Teboru system itself decides what that faction is doing. So it'll make the moves and then let you know what you need to change.
0: Yeah, it it is very, very interesting. Again, it it brings in this element of AI, uh, which is fantastic, especially in a game like this where you would need... You know, if you don't have all the player count to play the different factions, you would need to kind of manually do that yourself. But it keeps it um, where if there are hidden information, the app is able to take care of that without you knowing. So it really is like you're playing against another, you know, human.
1: So this one only has nine days as of time of recording.
0: Yeah, they did say this is going to be a there's going to be a late pledge for it as well. So just kind of keep that in mind if you want to get in on this. This one is found on GameFound, where most of ours that we usually use are on Kickstarter. Uh, This system is just so good, we could not resist talking about this a little bit more. Uh, One of the really interesting things with this um, is in the Pledge Manager, you can also add on Bad Karmas.
1: Which was their first game. Yep.
0: Um, So that way, if you did not get in on that original one, you can add parts or the whole shebang of that one as well.
1: So let's talk about uh, their rewards or how they're doing this. First of all, there is a collector's pledge uh, plus the Tebaroo. So the rewards that they have right now, uh, the collector's pledge plus the Tebaroo bundle. It gives you the collector's edition, including the core set, all the stretch goals, all the applicable gameplay add-ons and expansions uh, throughout the campaign here. Um, And it includes the Tebaroo system, which is required for you to play. That is the, like the big shebang, right? Uh, they also have the Deluxe Pledge and the Tebaroo Bundle, which gets you a copy of the game, uh, all of the monetary stretch goals, and the Tabaru system, again, which is required. And then they uh, then they offer both of those without the Tebaru. Uh The full pledge, the Collector's Pledge plus Tebaroo, goes for $389. The Deluxe Pledge with the Tebaru, uh goes for like $211. And then the Collector's Pledge bundle by itself is 277 And the Deluxe Pledge, which is just the game without the Tevaroo, is $100. Yeah,
0: so the Tevaroo system is about $110, give or take. Yeah. Um, so if you, or if you already have backed Bad Karmas and are getting the Tevaroo system anyway, you could go with the versions without it and save a little bit of money on that. Um, or if you wanted a second one, you could also back at that. There's a lot of upgrades and stuff too. So if you don't want to go with the full shebang, want to kind of piecemeal what you want. um, They have, of course, all the different miniatures and expansions for this game. They have a really cool dice tray as well. Um, You can even get a set of washed miniatures um, if you're not planning on doing any washing or painting yourself. Um, And then, of course, like I said, they had the bad karmas. You can get the core box which is another $87, or you can get the big box, which is another $313. Um, and the big box has everything from the Bad Karmas uh, pledges in it, so it's, it's the whole shebang.
1: Yeah, that one looks really good. Um, so, so there you go. Uh, that's our first one. Uh, like we said, this Tebru system we think is going to be something that's going to turn out being big. Um, I feel like if you can get in on the ground floor now, uh, it would be a good time to do so. Uh, and we're excited about back in this one. This is one we're actually going to back. Yep. Next up.
0: So the next one we have is called Eat the Reich. Uh, it is a fantastic looking rpg the art on it is a little wild uh may not be everybody's cup of tea but it to me it looks fantastic Mm -hmm. um it is a rpg in which you play as pre-generated characters who are vampires uh set in the 1940s trying to take out and um, drink hitler's
1: blood that is your main goal in this game is to get to and drink all of hitler's blood i gotta tell you I'm in for it. Like uh, okay.
0: Yeah. Uh so this looks very interesting. Like I said, it does come with pre built characters. Um, it's made to be uh completed in one to three sessions.
1: Right. And then uh you can go back and replay using different characters. It does say using their system, uh you can uh generate your own character. So if you prefer to come up with your own bloodsucker, the Havoc Engine system, is which they use, is really straightforward. And reskinning, renaming, and hooking together different characters is easy to do.
0: Yeah, but I will tell you, the pre-generated characters are fantastic.
1: They are. And this system looks like it's designed uh, for, like, like this game is violent. I'm going to tell you right now, like, you're vampires and you're hunting Nazis, which yeah. I just, I had, had to throw it in here. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's designed for, you know, th- theatrics and that like cinema style, like violence uh, as you're playing. So um, the levels PDF you can get for just like about 15 bucks. So if you're not like totally bought in, maybe you can just check it out there. You can get the book and the digital PDF for about 32. The dossier uh, includes vintage pinup style postcard of the vampires to inspire the troops. Uh, (laughs) It's spare copies of the vampire sheet. It's a cloth patch of your choosing uh, from the unlock options. uh, A top secret manila folder to hold it all together and lots more. If they hit the stretch goals, Um, the box is already sold out. So uh, this one funded in about 30 minutes. Yeah. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, I kind of, I'm digging the artwork. I'm, I'm digging the idea, you know, that you're playing, Allied vampire commandos uh, and taking out Nazis. So, uh, we thought we would throw this one in uh, and see if anybody else is interested.
0: One of the cool things with this is every physical edition of Eat the Reich that comes through the Kickstarter backing will get free digital access code to the Alchemy virtual tabletop version. Um, so, we talked a little bit about the Alchemy tabletop. Yeah. Um, kind of platform before uh, so it's very cool that they are actually using that on with this game as well um, so you do get access to that if you back at a physical level
1: so it is already funded but there's 25 days left to go um, this one's on Kickstarter so go over there and check it out
0: the last project that we have is a fun little interesting dexterity game uh, where you are trying to... Um, steal these gems out of this laser ridden vault
1: watching the video on this this looks hilarious yep
0: so this is called tiny laser heist um, the description says a hilariously awkward 3d heist game uh, so the premise of the game you actually build this like cube that is open on each side and you string these lasers across out which are basically pieces of elastic string um, that create this kind of crazy grid that you and whoever you are choosing as your heist partner use these tiny little hands on sticks to reach in to try and nab the gems.
1: Right. To be clear, there's two of you. You each have one hand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or three of you and you can still each have one hand. I don't know how that works, but, (laughs) you know, whatever. Yeah. so, But it's not as easy as it sounds because you're not just trying to grab the gems. There are these padlocks that are stacked on top of each gem. So you have to have the correct cards to be able to unlock the padlocks. And when you do that, you can move the padlocks onto a different stack or off of the gem you're trying to get. And then you have to pick up the gem and stack it on the pedestal in the middle.
1: It seems like there's an there's a, a element of uh, like you got to recruit your heist team uh so uh, kind of like that negotiation style
0: yeah i was that, i i thought of moonrakers yep. when when i was reading it, kind of the description for this um i feel like this is ridiculous moonrakers like it adds this crazy element there are also these um cards that you can use to either make the challenge more difficult. Um, like one of them is uh, called One-Eyed Jack. And it's, it's the, the person who is the mastermind has to cover up one of their eyes during the heist. Which we all know would make your depth perception awful. And when you're trying to use a really tiny hand, things can get interesting real quick. Um, But there's also cars like the helicopter where you're able to come in or access the museum from the top side, which normally you can only access it from the sides. So there's a lot of really cool, interesting things with this. Um, They even have their first expansion kind of tagged along with it as well. Yep which is called the Double Cross Expansion. So, of course, there are plenty of shenanigans in it to double cross the people with you. Um, those include things like a security guard that you can put in where the players have to pay you part of what they earn uh, to be able to actually complete the mission. That's um, fantastic. Yeah.
1: So let's look at pledge levels. For the base game, you're looking at 50 bucks, which this feels like worth it. Yeah. If you want to get the expansion at seventy five. And then they have the double, which, if you want two copies of the game, it's ninety bucks or two copies of the game and two copies of the expansion for one thirty.
0: yeah, it's very straightforward pledge levels. definitely take a look at this one with the tiny little hands and it's got a little like a uh, bandito mask i don't I don't know what the to- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what to call that yeah, yeah the mastermind has to wear the mask uh, yeah with the, with eye holes I mean you can see yeah. But yeah, this one looks really funny. It looks
0: very unique. Uh, this is the same company that did Abduction, yeah, uh, which was the crazy alien game where they're trying—they're just abducting the ducks. Yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, it's great. There's 13 days uh, left to go on this pledge, and this is another one that's already fully funded. And with that. And now fully out of the water, the
0: mini-tentacled form of the Zodiac Cancer lurches into the city.
1: The ex-luchador Fernando steps in his path and swings his mighty two-handed axe for a hit.
0: Cancer begins to power up its eye beam.
1: The quick and lethal assassin, Claire, darts in to attack the monster on its now exposed side.
0: The monster fires its beam, blasting Fernando and Claire, laying both of them low.
1: But fortunately, Gil the Astrologist steps up, wielding his arcane power.
0: Hey-oh! Cancer falls back into the sea, defeated.
1: Thanks, everyone. For the Dapper Meeple, I'm Jim.
0: And I'm Josh. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show.
1: Hey, if you enjoyed what we're doing here, follow us and leave a like. It really helps us out.
0: And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at the Dapper Meeple, or at Dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com.
1: And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.